Welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for Monday, December 28th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez coming to you on a delayed winning Monday after the Saints defeated the Vikings on Christmas Day, 52-33. to And a W means one thing, hit it. That song always puts me in a good mood, and hopefully it puts you in one, too. Well, on today's show, we will be highlighting Alvin Kamara's six, count them, six touchdowns on Christmas Day for the Saints. He ties Ernie Nevers for six rushing touchdowns in one game. Louisiana native Dub Jones and former Chicago Bear Gail Sayers also had six touchdowns in one game, but they weren't all rushing. Therefore, to highlight this tremendous feat by Alvin Kamara, we wanted to welcome on John Kendall, Director of Archives and Football Information for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, to highlight Ernie Nevers and Dub Jones. John, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Happy holidays to you, and welcome on the show. Merry Christmas to you. Doing well uh, up here uh, in in snowy Canton, Ohio, but uh, just uh, love this time of year as as not only the holidays are around us and and everybody... uh, you know, is, is um, uh, well, I guess we're not getting together uh, with family <laughs> this year, but, but um, you know, usually getting together, but, but especially as we, we get down to the stretch of the NFL season and, um, you know, records are broken and uh, milestones are set and teams are getting ready for the postseason. It, it's a lot of fun and uh, certainly for what I do, uh, a lot of excitement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, on on Christmas Day, Alvin Kamara, like I said, had six touchdowns, which tied with Ernie Nevers for rushing touchdowns in a single game. He also tied with Dub Jones and Gail Sayers uh, for six total touchdowns in a game. And John, with as much football information as you have between your ears, I have to know what your reaction was when you saw Alvin Kamara just racking up those touchdowns. Well, it was, it was great. I was actually doing a lot of different things, uh, it being Christmas day and, and kind of had the game on in the background. I kept popping in and check in. And, um, you know, I, I heard, uh, one of the announcers mention uh, that he was getting close and, and man, my ears perked up. I ran in and, um, you know, I, I started watching the end of the game and I thought, you know, they were, you know, the Saints were down there, um, and, and he had an opportunity and, and coach Peyton ended up uh, running Taysom Hill. And I thought, no, 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 come on, give it to Camara. <laughs> and uh, luckily uh, they were able to get down there again. And, and it, it's always great to see, you know, it, it's something I, I know people always ask the players, um, you know, do they, they get upset when their records are broken and things like that. But I can tell you, I've been around enough great uh, hall of fame players that, uh, they, they get a kick out of it. You know, I know there's some that, that they, you know, they all take pride in it, but uh, right. they also get so excited for the, for the other guys who, who are able to accomplish such great feats. And so, um, no, it was, it was great to see, um, you know, I'm looking forward. I'm guessing our curator um, or our vice president of exhibits has, has reached out and hopefully we can get something from, from Alvin uh, to, to put into the museum uh, so that uh, all football fans can come to Canton and, and be able to see, um, you know, a, a, an artifact that represents the, the great work that he's done uh, throughout the season and, and especially on Christmas Day. 
Yeah, I think it might be cool for you guys to get those cleats. I mean, who knows what that item is going to be, but those Christmas Day cleats would be pretty cool. And I also think everyone, uh, I can maybe speak for all Saints fans when we were all had, we all had the same reaction when Taysom Hill got the ball running into the end zone, which is the complete opposite <laughs> reaction the rest of the year when Taysom Hill was expected to go into the end zone. So um, that was indeed pretty funny. But John, you obviously are um, very informative on all things Pro Football Hall of Fame. So if we can, let's start with Ernie Nevers, who um, had six rushing, rushing touchdowns for the Chicago Cardinals against the Chicago Bears in 1929. What can you tell us about Ernie Nevers? We've, we've read the articles. We've seen some snippets after Alvin Kamara tied him. But what can you tell us about Ernie? Well, it's it's great that uh, I was I was asked to be on the show with you today because um, Ernie Nevers is actually one of my favorite Hall of Famers of all time, and and I'm not supposed to say that we don't play favorites, obviously, <laughs> but uh, his story is so cool, and um, you know he he was a a, a true Iron Man. Um, you know he he played at a time I, I think he was quoted um, you know later on in his life that uh, he liked the way that he played it. You went a full sixty minutes. Uh, you went from September to January, from from Maine to Texas to the Pacific Coast. Um, you know he played 29 games on a barnstorming tour. Uh, they only had 16 men on the squad, wow. uh, and so he, you know, he, he said that uh, if, if the coach took a, a man out of the game for a substitution, and this was when if you substituted, you weren't allowed to go back into the game, and 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 he wow. would get mad. Um, you know he loved it so much. He played in those 29 games on that barnstorming tour. That was in 1926. Um, he played in all but 29 minutes of a possible 1,740 minutes of, of gameplay. So, like I said, true Iron Man. And one of the things that that I love about, um, you know, the, the Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, tied that record um, is because he he is while he did it in uh, you know rushing touchdowns. Uh, he is he is a true uh, all around football player, you know, and and I think when, when you look at Ernie Nevers and you look at Dub Jones, I mean, these were guys that were very versatile players uh, and guys that um, really when when people are comparing eras and oh, well, this guy couldn't play in, in the era of today, you know. Those, these were two guys, and, and, you know, I know Gail Sayers did it a little bit differently with, um, uh, you know, kickoff and punt returns, but, but, you know, all three of those guys that, that also scored six touchdowns in a game, you know, they were all guys that, that could play in the league today. You know, they were very versatile. They could do a lot of different things. Uh, Nevers, you know, could run, pass, um, you know, kick the ball, uh, good defender, and Dub Jones was, was the same way, uh, both at, at flanker and at, at halfback. But but as it relates to Nevers, you know, he still holds the oldest, uh, the two oldest records in the NFL record and fact book. And that, you know, the the, the six rushing touchdowns now now tied with, with Alvin Kamara. But uh, also in that same game, he scored all 40 of the Cardinals points that game in a 40 to six uh um, defeat of, of the Chicago Bears. So uh, he, he kicked the four extra points as well in that game. So uh, still holds the oldest record there. And, and like I said, that goes back to, to 1929. My goodness. I mean, you just 
spilled so much information. I can't <laughs> believe it. And so many dates. I'm not a history buff or a science or a, a math buff. So that was outstanding to me. But one thing that really stuck, stood out to me is you said that Ernie Nevers was a great defender and that substitutions at that time meant that you couldn't come back in the game. And excuse me for my ignorance on that, but that was just astounding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, those, those early days of, of NFL football, you know, a, a lot different, um, you know, as, as it relates to today, you know, especially as, you know, as we move, you know, further into the future, you know, the game has really become uh, specialized, you know, it's uh, early on because of the limited roster sizes. I mean, guys did it all. They were, they were 60 minute, you know, warriors. And, and as the game became more and more specialized, you know, you, you know, in, in some positions, you didn't have to do uh, a bunch of different things. Well, you just had to do your one thing very well. And, and like I said, that's where I love seeing players like Alvin Kamara on the football field, because you, you see that he's a true football player. He can, he can do it all. Um, and and the, the Saints, you know, with, with a, a great head coach and, you know, really puts his players in positions to succeed and, and has them do a lot of different things. Like we mentioned, you know, Taysom Hill, you know, yeah. really looking for football, all around football players and having them do a lot of different things. And, and that keeps, you know, that keeps the opponent guessing. Absolutely. And, and John, you just mentioned that you think that these players could play in today's game, but I wonder how unique was it at that time in 1929? I mean, it's still unique to have six rushing touchdowns in one game, but back then, how special was that for Ernie Nevers in, in that day and age of the NFL? Oh, very special. And, and, you know, there were some high scores, but when you look through uh, the NFL record and fact book and, and you look through a lot of these scores in the early days, uh, there weren't a lot of teams that were putting up you know, 40 points in a game. I mean, I mean, those were, those were few and further between. And so, uh, no, certainly special. And, you know, that was after, um, you know, Nevers had retired and, um, you know, he didn't play in, in 1928. Uh, so the Cardinals had actually um, uh, coaxed him out of retirement. He sat out in 1928 due to injury and uh, the Cardinals were able to get him to come back and, and play the 29 season. Uh, and, and he paid dividends for them for sure in 29. And then in 1930 and 31, he, he played and coached the Cardinals. So he was a player coach as well. Uh, so, um, you know, I think he, uh, like I said, certainly paid dividends for, for the Cardinals uh, in, in 29. When you look at um, Dub Jones, who was another player who um, tied that or that Alvin Kamara tied for the six touchdowns in one game. And it's I think I thought it was funny that both players in Ernie Nevers and Dub Jones both broke broke those records against the Chicago Bears. Uh, I thought right. that was pretty, <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but he is from Dub Jones was from Louisiana. He played at LSU and Tulane. Can you take us a little bit through his career? Right. And his, his journey was certainly, uh, you know, uh, kind of a long and, and winding road to, to get to, to where he was with the Browns and, and, you know, scoring six touchdowns in a game. You know, he he was actually selected by the Chicago Cardinals um, in, in, with the second pick in the 1946 NFL draft and decided uh, not to sign with the team as he was kind of pondering a, a return to LSU um, to finish his studies. Um, but, but he ultimately, um, 
you know, signed with the Miami Seahawks of the All-America Football Conference. And that was the first year of that All-America Football Conference. That's where the Cleveland Browns were uh, founded, the San Francisco 49ers. They ultimately would merge into the National Football League in 1950. Uh, but from 46 to, to 49, uh, the All-America Football Conference was in existence. And, um, you know, he, he played uh, for, for the Seahawks, um, uh, you know, sparingly. Um, and ultimately, the Seahawks would fold and um, they traded Dub Jones to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, you know, in, in 48, uh, he was used sparingly with the Dodgers and then ultimately traded to the Cleveland Browns uh, in the All-America Football Conference, where he, he linked up with, with Coach Paul Brown, who's a Pro Football Hall of Fame coach, a great innovator in, in the world of pro football. Um, you know, he really perfected kind of, you know, everybody calls it the West Coast offense, but it was this timing, uh, passing game uh, where Otto Graham would just, you know, he was playing point guard and he was just, hitting, uh, you know, Hall of Famers like Dante Lavelli and uh, Max Speedy, who's part of the class of 2020 for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, and Dub Jones fit perfectly into that, that role as well. And so he played both halfback and flanker uh, for, for Paul Brown and the Cleveland Browns. So when they merged into the National Football League in 1950, um, you know, he was really coming into his own. And in 51, uh, you know, uh, in a 42 to 21 win over the Bears, you know, he ran the ball nine times for 116 yards, four touchdowns, and then uh, had three catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns. So it shows his versatility there as well. Um, but, but yeah, it, it took him, it took him a little while to get going, but once he did, uh, he was a great asset to those, those Cleveland Brown dynasty uh, teams of the, the late forties and, and into the fifties. And correct me if I'm wrong, John, but Dub Jones scored each of the final five times he touched the ball in that game. I, I believe that is correct. Um, I haven't looked. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to revisit that a little bit. But, um, you know, when, I, when I'm looking down here, um, yeah, he scored. Uh, he, was, he was kind of scoring at will here. Three, three three touchdowns, uh, two touchdowns in the second quarter, two in the third and, and two in the fourth. So gotcha. he, he was kind of a one man wrecking crew for the, <laughs> against the bears that day. John, it's interesting to see the difference in the makeup of running backs, um, you know, in that day and age. And now what would you say are some of the biggest differences? I'm looking at Dub Jones and his makeup. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. And then you look at Ernie Nevers, six foot, 200 pounds. What, what were kind of the differences in what, and I know you're not a college or a, a scout or anything like that, but the differences in the makeup of, of players in that day and now looking at players like Alan Kamara. Yeah, um, well, I, I think uh, from a uh, from a, a physical standpoint, certainly uh, these guys were not training year round uh, as as professional football players. Um, yeah, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, they they had athletic skill, uh, but but uh, you know, I, I get a chance to talk to uh, a lot of our oldest Hall of Famers. We do a, a monthly call that uh, we, we down, download some history 
these guys get together and chat. And, and recently we had some conversation about those early days and, um, you know, the game not being a year round, you know, a lot of them were saying that you know, football was my part-time job. <laughs> I had a wow. full-time regular job that I went to, and then I, I played football on the side. And um, so I think that's a little bit of it, you know, is, is that these guys, um, you know, they weren't training year round to play, play the game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think from a, a physical makeup, you know, it was just, um, you know, Dub Jones obviously looked more like a flanker. And I think that's why Paul Brown kind of moved him out. He, he matched more of the, you know, the size of Dante Lavelli and, and, and Max Speedy than, you know, what he saw out of his halfback. But what coach Paul Brown did a lot with, with Dub Jones was put him in motion and, and do kind of these, these jet sweeps, uh, that that everybody thinks are these new things that that you know college and pro teams are doing today, but you know these were all part of offenses you know going going back into the the 40s and 50s as, as well. So um, you know I, I think there's probably more similarities than than you think uh, than than some of the differences. And now that you brought that up, John, I have to ask, since you're on these calls with these Hall of Famers, is there anything that you've taken away from that? Or I guess what's your favorite thing that you've taken away from one of those phone calls? I have to know. Oh, man, I just so, so many great things. I mean, these guys, um, you know, not to, to talk about the, you know, the sad part of it, but, you know, we're losing uh, a lot of these older players and with them, you know, goes the history of the game. And so anything that we can do to capture, you know, those early days as much as possible, um, it, you know, we, we have to, we have to keep pressing and, and get that history down so we don't lose it. And so for me, it's, you know, every call is great. You know, every call is I'm learning something new and I'm learning it from the source. Um, so one of the things, you know, you, you mentioned one thing that, that, you know, I, I take away from those that, that, um, fascinates me is we talked a lot about travel, um, you know, early days, uh, in, in pro football and NFL history and how teams traveled, you know, they, they weren't traveling by air until the forties. So, you know, the twenties and thirties train, um, you know, buses and things like that, you know, talking to a guy like Sonny Jurgensen, um, you know, about traveling to, to some of his games, or you hear about, um, you know, the, the, the 1948 NFL championship game with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Chicago Cardinals. And you've got, uh, you got um, um, Steve Van Buren, who, you know, ended up winning the MVP of that game, but, but ultimately, you know, he woke up and there was a blizzard and he didn't think that the game was going to occur. So he hit the snooze button and slept in a little bit, gets a call from his coach, Greasy Neal, says, no, you need to get down here. We're playing the game. Well, you know, he, uh, he went to jump into his car, couldn't, uh, couldn't get out of his driveway because his car was plowed, sh- uh, plowed in. So he has to take a, uh, he has to walk to the bus station, takes the bus into the city, the bus to the train station, uh, the train, uh, to the subway, then takes the subway to about, um, 
I don't know, four blocks from, from the, uh, the stadium and then has to, you know, walk the rest of the way to the stadium. He gets there and he's got to help the grounds crew take the tarp off the field full of snow. The, both teams, we have photos in our archive of both teams doing that and then ends up running the ball over 28 times for 98 yards rushing and scored the, the game's only touchdown. And uh, so just a different era. So that, that was kind of a long-winded story, um, but, but certainly – um, the game has changed, and, and after you win the, the NFL championship and, and the, the game's MVP, uh, you know, there, there's not as much fanfare as there is today. You know, he, he's doing the same thing to get back home. You know, there's no limo taking him back home. He's, uh, taking, he's walking to the, uh, the subway, taking the subway to the train, the train to the bus, and, and the bus home, so... And yet I complain when the elevator doesn't come quick enough to get me to the press box. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Quite, quite, a, quite a different uh, game all the way around uh, than, than it was back then. Exactly. John, last question before I let you go. Alan Kamara, uh, well, Drew, Drew Brees really is, is a name that we're going to see in Canton um, with many different accolades. It seems like every week there's a new one or every season there's a new one. Is Do you see Alvin Kamara as potentially one of those talents that could, um, you know, make a have a prominent presence in Canton? Oh, I think so, uh, for sure. You know, and, and for me, uh, you can see the greatness um, that he plays with. And, and that's what we're all about. You know, our, our mission is to honor the heroes of the game, preserve its history, promote its values and celebrate excellence everywhere. And you can see that excellence on the field. You know, I think uh, like uh, for every player, uh, coach or administrator, it's, it's about, you know, uh, excelling at a high level for a long period of time. And so, you know, he just keeps it going and keeps progressing and, and keeps doing the things that he's doing. Um, you know, being dominant is his position for an era. Um, yeah, certainly I could see him uh, having a bronze bust in Canton, Ohio one day. Ooh, I like to see it. Well, John, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Again, John Kendall, Director of Archives and Football Information with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. John, we appreciate your time and your insight. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And anytime, uh, anything I can do to help uh, in the future, please let me know. Fascinating interview with John. Well, we weren't able to speak with him about the late Gail Sayers, who passed in September of this year. But Gail played in the league for seven seasons with the Chicago Bears. And on December 12th, the Bears hosted the San Francisco 49ers, where Sayers scored six touchdowns, four on the ground, one through the air, and one on a punt return. And apparently this was one of the worst field conditions day at Wrigley Field where the Bears were playing at that time. Yet, Sayers got it done. Alvin certainly joins Elite Company, and I know I can speak for all Saints fans that we are happy to have him on the squad. Another player we're happy to have on the squad is linebacker Demario Davis. Quick update that you have the opportunity to vote him as our Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient. He is already the club's nominee, but now you can vote for him. It is as easy as going to Twitter and typing in the hashtag WPMOYChallenge and then typing in Demario Davis. It is that easy. You just have to use that hashtag. All the instructions can be found on the Saints Twitter, or you can go to Demario Davis's Twitter, and all the instructions will be right there to vote for him as your Walter Payton Man of the Year recipient. 
All right, that'll do it for the Monday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeky. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks so much to John Kendall for joining us. 